And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Josh Rayner from a Merc with a Movie Blog. Say hello to everybody. Hey, how's it going? And tonight is our Scream on Screen reviews. This is part of our Halloween edition of movie, on Movie Lovers Unite. And tonight we are actually reviewing the 1990s miniseries, It. And this movie's clocks in at three minutes, three hours and, what, 40 minutes, I believe, or something like that, Josh? I think, uh... At least the version I was watching it was three hours and seven minutes is what it was. Three hours and seven minutes. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I made it a little bit longer than what it was supposed to. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, this movie sets up in the 1960s. It follows Ben. It follows Beverly. It follows all the Losers Club members and stuff like that. And, of course, there's Pennywise, the dancing clown, played by Tim Curry, which is basically his most classic um, performance aside from when he played in uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and of course Home Alone, yeah. Lost in New York and stuff like that but to me as a kid Tim Curry definitely horrified me as a kid because I remember yeah. having nightmares and also afraid to go oh, use the bathroom because I was afraid yeah. that his hand would pop up out of the toilet and direct my ass down so <laughs> so yeah but what stands out when you look at the 1990s it and stuff like that when you look at it from that standpoint i mean the thing that you know anytime i think about that movie it is pennywise like that that just the mm. the, the visual of tim curry as that deep like demonic clown anytime someone brings it up that's what i see uh even i haven't watched i hadn't watched this before watching it for this i hadn't watched it in probably at least a decade and so that but that image is crystal clear in my head no matter what so like it it stayed with me. So uh, it, it, but it was real nice to get back to to kind of see what it was all about again, whether or not it actually held up. Right, and it's actually interesting now to go back and look at it. It's streaming on HBO Max. In case anybody's wondering if they want to go back and do a revisit or a rewatch of it in the from the nineteen nineties version, this is probably close to the book than what we got with the movie with the uh, remake, but. As far as cohesiveness, as far as structure goes, I feel like the remake is better than the 1990s version. Yes. And that's me coming, that's being born in the 80s and also being grown up with the 90s version and stuff like that. Yes, I love Tim Curry's performance, but you can even mm -hmm. tell that there's some loss of cohesiveness within the movie itself. Because like we were talking earlier, Josh, when you look at the flashbacks and stuff like that, it just doesn't hold together whenever it flashes back from the kids over to the adults and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't play that out in the remake because I feel like in the remake they got that right with just focusing in on the kids and then add the adults in later with the flashbacks of them being kids. I think that added in a lot more to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, getting a chance to, you know, in these in the remix to see the journey of the kids just straight through, you get this full movie of them. And then because I had just recently watched the, the remix and then watching this one, you get maybe 40 minutes of the th over three hours with the kids. And the majority of it is spent with the adults. And it's just like it felt it felt like they rushed through the stuff with the kids way, way too much. Um, and, and, and on, and on the note of Pennywise, he's only in the movie for like Tim Curry's is only in the movie for like 15 minutes of this whole thing. It's right. really, he, he's barely actually even in it. And that bummed me out when I watched it. I was like, I want, like he is the best part of this movie and I wanted more of him, but we didn't. 
the first half of the movie is all just character setup. And that, it and definitely it's, is. It's so slow, but it also felt like it was rushed. I don't know. It was, it was weird because, like I said, it's slow, but it feels like it was rushed, and it's like three hours long. I, I don't know what was going on with this whole thing. I don't know either, to be honest with you. I remember also, too, Blockbusters, back when I, when I was a kid, too, they had this um, to rent, and it was like a double VHS tape as well. Yes. And I rented that. Just rented like Titanic. Again. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, man, I mean, I feel like this. I feel like that it just doesn't hold up like it was supposed to, and we'll get into that. No. Because here's the thing. Like you said, it doesn't primarily focus on the kids like we wanted to focus on the kids or anything like that. And, of course... Uh, Tim Curry's character Pennywise doesn't is only in there maybe for 10 15 minutes if that within the movie itself it doesn't yeah. primarily focus on Pennywise or anything at least with the remake it focused in on Pennywise and the origins of Pennywise in the first half of that film with Ben researching in the library which is something that I like from the very first film and this one you know and even Mike actually does do research in the book so it's actually Mike that actually finds yeah. out the origins of it and everything. So they got that part right in the 1990s version and they changed it up with Ben, which I feel like it fits Ben's character in the yeah. remake because of the fact that he's an architect and mm-hmm. him studying his structure, him studying history actually fits in with that character versus yeah. them not doing that in the 1990s version and letting it hang on Mike. And Mike's also the new guy in town, of course, in yeah. the 1990s one. But, you know... I do like the back. I do like the chemistry with all the kids in the 1990s uh, movie, though. I thought the chemistry was really good, set, especially with Seth Green being in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was great. I forgot he was in the in this movie, and then like his name popped up. I was like, oh, all right. I was, I was. It was nice to see him in there. And yeah, the stuff with the kids. I think the stuff with the kids is better than the stuff with the adults. Yeah, and there's way less of it, and that's in that was really disheartening. Um, cause the, the, like you said, the chemistry between the kids was fantastic. I mean, the adults were fine, but it just, it didn't, it, it, didn't, it just didn't flavor. click. Yeah. It just, it didn't click the same way as it did with the kids. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Another thing that I want to mention mm. is this though, too, but the kids, it's always been my favorite thing. I always say this, the first half of the 1990s, it is perfectly well done in a sense. Yes. It feels like it's rushed a little bit, but that's actually one of my favorite things was the kids part because yeah. of the fact that the chemistry's there. There's something lurking in the source. There's something lurking and they have to try and investigate it. And then of course they find out this, this is being that can shape shift into their fears and stuff. And that's something that I was actually included into and things like that. And matter of fact, I remember reading the book in high school as well. And, you know, and I remember being spooked out in, in, basically whenever i was reading it but you know another thing that i had against it was when i was reading the commentary well not reading the commentary but listening to the commentary on the dvd the director never read the book or anything oh, so yeah so he even he admitted it he goes i don't even know <clears> what this movie it, what it is even about so they got a director <laughs> that didn't even know the property so they just i bet he just had like little notes that somebody gave him and yeah. just went off the based off of the notes and designed it that way yeah, but that's like a little nitpicky thing that I had about it. But as far as again the character structure, right for Pennywise, I thought that was good, and the characterization with the characters with the kids, and the banter with them, especially with Richie telling jokes, and then Beth. Yeah. 
It's very relatable, though. I do have to say, I mean, I like how Stephen King's able to give us relatable characters, like Beth going through uh, the stuff with her dad, who's a drunkard, who mentally and physically probably abuses her. And then also, yeah. too, you go with Ben, who's being bullied for being uh, fat. And then you also have uh, other racial issues in this film as well. We're going to get to that, too. <laughs> but yeah. But still, I mean, I thought that the kids is actually my favorite part. I felt like the second half was Tim Curry doing jokes the whole time. Yeah, some of the – they did way too much, like, corny clown jokes, like, where he's doing the, like, you got Prince Albert in a can. There's, like, that whole string of those, like, cheesy jokes that you – you know, as your refrigerator running, those types of things that he did. And I'm just like – this is just kind of lame. Like, why are they doing this? Everything else that he was doing up to that point, I was like, okay, I dig what he's doing. But I just, I, I don't know. I just did not like that part uh, for him, at least. Same. But I did like the blood splatter in the balloons. I thought that added the yeah. element to it. But yeah. come on. Doing the jokes and stuff like that. It felt like Nightmare on Elm Street after a while with Freddy doing the jokes and the banter with the jokes. It yeah. felt like it was like hitting me over the head with it. And that was mm-hmm. the most annoying part of it. Chapter two. That's what I'm going to call it for 19, the 1990s version as well. But, you know, the thing that scared me was the fact that it can pop out of the drain. Yeah. And while you're taking a shower and then... I like how they use this animation kind of style kind of flavor to it. And basically what winds up happening is he pops out of the drain and I'm like, Ooh, okay. So that tells me that I'm not even to be honest. Yeah. You're not safe anywhere. (laughs) Not anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything that, that they did with him for the most part, like I said, uh, was 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 good. I really enjoyed Tim Curry's stuff, and they did uh, for the time make him fairly frightening. I feel like I'm probably very desensitized at this age, uh, as someone who has watched hundreds, if not thousands, of horror movies. Uh, so it really didn't scare me at all. Now I know. I remember as a kid, it did right. like a lot of that stuff, but uh, yeah, it didn't anymore. But um, and yeah, the blood effects. I liked a lot of that stuff, uh, like the the balloon coming out of the sink. And just like the yeah, the blood just exploding all over Bev's uh, bathroom, and then she cleans it all up, and it's, it happens again. I like I, I like those effects. Um, and then the Chinese restaurant scene with the fortune cookies, yeah. like there was really good effects in in, in this movie that, that I really enjoyed. That really kind of brought the the horror into into play even though there was just way too much talking going on throughout most of this movie. Yeah. I think if it had that James Wan kind of flavor to it, where you drop the dialogue a little bit, you have that. Yeah. It could be a slow pace kind of film, but let the surrounding be the storytelling versus the characters doing the storytelling and have that slow tension there. And then once that tension's there and then release it at the end, it could actually have been a better film in my opinion, because I feel like, they wasted too much setup with the flashbacks. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it takes them like an hour just to introduce us to all the characters. And I'm just like, right. why is it taking so long? <laughs> like I want to actually spend some quality time with these characters and we don't really get that. No. And like because, Mike right. gets, gets screwed in the end. 
because like the entire third act, he's in the hospital. We don't. He doesn't even get to be part of it, which is something I liked about the reboot. Is like he's part of it. You know, uh, he he's not the one who gets stabbed, but even though someone else gets stabbed, they're still doing stuff. You know, they're still there with them. So I, I, that's what I liked about that. Same here as well. Because Mike did get screwed over in this 1990s version. I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah. I thought that they were all going to try and base it together. And then Mike is kind of like on the sidelines. It's like, okay, guys, well, you know, I did go down to the sewer. I went down there. Here, I found this. And yeah. that was, and found the uh, stones that killed it before. And it can kill it again. And so basically it's like, okay, have fun. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here for and a while. Yeah, and I'll be honest. The whole... Uh, <laughs> Oh, here's some some silver earrings from my mom. <laughs> they they'll work because we believe they'll work. I'm just like, wow, everything just kind of worked out way too easily. I feel you definitely know? like she just she hits him in the head with this thing. Boom. Okay, he's gone. They hit him. They at the end they hit the the, the spider version of him in the stomach with it. Oh, okay, it's done. Like. That's it? That's all they had to do? Right. I could the, do that. <laughs> right. Especially in the... Here's the thing with the remake, though. In the remake, it made him more OP, more overpowered a little bit to where they can yeah. fight him. And mm-hmm. I like that because you have a one-on-one battle with the Losers yeah. Club and stuff like yeah, that. And you're almost not sure if they're going to win in the remake because it's like he is so powerful. It's like almost almost seems like he can't be defeated. And I, that's what I liked about that one. Same here as well. And then, you know, in the book as well with uh, Mike finding the stones, they actually go into detail of him going back. Oh, and okay. Get, and they go, him going back into the sewer. And it's, I want to say it's like a flashback scene. It's been a while since I've read this book. And so he basically goes in the sewer and basically, you know, you have, of course, uh, the leader of the Losers Club, Bill. He says, are you sure that it, he goes, look, I made sure he was sleeping before I went and distur- uh, went down there and he was sleeping. But these are the stones. Remember, these are the stones that Bev had and one of them missed. And I picked up and I found another one on the ground. So there's two of them. One hit him in the head. So yeah. therefore, he, they were able to use the same stones that they had before. But I liked how they did it differently with this one. It's more of a little bit more an updated type of way of actually killing it this go-around compared to what we have with the slingshot. Yeah. Um, But let's talk about Bowers for a minute. I thought Bowers mm-hmm. was, in this one was a lot more threatening. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this dude is legit ready to just murder all these kids, like, without question. He is, like... It's not hyperbole with him. He's going to murder these kids uh, if he gets the chance. Uh, I'm just like, wow, they really went. He's a he's he's like a sociopath in this. He definitely is. Yeah, because you know he's not your average bully on the playground oh. or anything like that either. He's going to try and kill you. He's going to figure out a way to kill you, mm-hmm. and that's it. You're dead. If he sees you, he's going to kill you. And I felt like he was more threatening in this movie compared to the remake, in a sense, because yeah. that's one thing I have to say that that the 1990s version got right was the fact of how dangerous Henry Bowers is and how menacing he is compared yeah. to how he was in the remake. That's the only thing I had against the remake was he wasn't, to me, that threatening 
of a of a high school bully. This one was racist. He used the N word. Mm-hmm. He called the other kid a, you know, um, but still, I'm not going to say the word or anything like that. Yeah. But you know, you get the gist of it. Um, he ended up calling him on uh, names that were uncalled for. And it dealt with racial issues. It dealt, dived into Henry's whole entire background of who Henry is and how dangerous he is. But this one is like, oh, I'm just a high school bully and I want these kids dead. But there's nothing else there holding it there to sh- show why he wants them dead. And this one, it shows him bullying them, terrorizing them, and also, too, showing how it is trying to use him to kill these kids. And also, too, they he also does the same thing in the remake. But it, seem, it seems like to me with this one, it used him in the right way in this yeah. one compared to the remake. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, like, even his friends are like, dude, you're, you're, you're going too far with some of this stuff. You know, so, like, right. even they recognize that this guy is, like, psychotic, you know. <laughs> he ain't right in the head. So, and I think they did a great job of portraying that uh, in this one. I think so too. And also too, the other thing I have to say with the remake as well, they gave us a little bit more of a background of who Henry Bowers' uh, life is. And that's something yeah. I do appreciate the fact that they gave us a background of who he is, where who his father is and things like that. And this one, you don't really get that. This is primarily just focused in on, on the kids, which is something that I appreciated with this one as well. And so, you know, and then another thing I liked was the photo album, whenever the uh, Bill winds up finding the photo album and it flips flop, flip flops back and forth. Yeah. And everything. And it shows Georgie and he winks. And I'm like, those special effects were ahead of its time in a sense. If you think about oh, it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They did a great job with those. Uh, I love that. scene. I just love, cause like in the, you know, in 1990, you know, I feel like, yeah, like you said, it's, this movie's a bit ahead of its time. Uh, you get this, Especially if you if you had never read the book, you don't know what is going on. Why are these people not able to see all the stuff that they're seeing? Uh, and just the ability for them to pull off specific effects like that—I don't know—it did. It, it it kind of blew my mind because I was like, "Yeah, I believe that." It, it still felt believable. Everything that the like the a lot of the effects that they were doing, it didn't it didn't feel fake for a lot of them, which I was surprised by. Same here as well. It felt very real. It feels like a realistic realism kind of way of actually doing it. Then yeah. also, too, when it is in that black and white photo, Pennywise is doing the front flips and everything and the back flips, and he goes up to the light and light fixture and haunts Beverly and the Losers Club and everybody, and then he reaches his hand out of there. Yeah. That gave me goosebumps still to this day on that part. Yeah. That part didn't feel cheesy to me when it came yeah, to no. that aspect. Yeah, I... I forgot about that part. And so it like surprised, shocked me. I was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> like when I, when I saw that and I was like, all right, that's some good stuff here. But then you go back to the adults and it just kind of all turns around. Right. Know? I just feel that's, like the chemistry with the adults is very wooden. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no chemistry. There's nothing. They're trying to do it the best way they could possibly can with <clears throat> reading it from the script onto the screen and it's just yeah. not working. It's just not jiving up the way that it needs to jive up. And even in the scene in the Chinese restaurant, I didn't feel like, oh, I missed my best friends. It was like, hey, remember that, 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 that? At least with the other ones, I, I like the banter with Richie and the remake, smack talking with uh, with Eddie yeah. and everything. 
that was my the, that was perfect placement. That was perfect characterization of characters. And then, of course, you see Bill and Mike hanging out on this one with the bike and everything. And then, you, of course, you have that 1960s music being played and stuff like that with from Motown. Yeah. And I guess what they're trying to do, they're trying to recapture those moments of being in the 60s whenever they were building the uh, fort and stuff. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. Same thing whenever he sees the cards. And I'm like, okay, you mean to tell me that's all it did was basically put his own self as a logo on a card for the bike yeah. cards? Like that, that's it? That's all you're going to do? Like, <laughs> seems like a lot of work just for that guy. Right. Okay. And like he put the two aces out for whatever reason. Like, okay. Thanks, Pennywise. I, like, <laughs> I didn't, didn't understand that. Yeah, no, I, did, I didn't either. I was, it just seemed unnecessary. They could have done something cool. Like the cards could have like flown around and done something crazy. I don't know. I think that the cards could have floated around or they could have done something more with it or have Pennywise like, on a bike with the, with the cards yeah. flipping. Or something. Yeah, like you hear that noise in the background, and then they yeah. they, and they just see Pennywise is like coming at him on a bike. Yeah, that would right. be kind of cool. I would love would love that. That would have been horrifying to actually see. But I also like when Bill gets into town, and I like how Pennywise dug up the holes. And now I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty horrifying mm-hmm. to see. I thought yeah. that aspect worked. Oh because yeah. Pick a hole, any hole, but that one's taken. And <laughs> yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, so you guys are at this restaurant. You don't see Stan there. Then it doesn't take until you guys get over to the library where you see Stan's head in in that refrigerator. And I'm thinking to myself, Bill, you knew he wasn't alive because there was a plot that was already buried for him. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, how do you not know that Stan is dead <laughs> at that point? Yeah, I mean, Pennywise is literally telling you. You know, he's like, he's telling you that he killed this guy. And they're just not, they're not paying attention. Yeah, but, I think they're, they're still too out of it. I don't know. Exactly. But I want to tell, tell everybody this little story, though, of me reading the book. In the book, and now in the book, Stan is actually going into that little sewer area where the sewage place is. And, you know, he's hearing carnival music. It's dark and stuff like that. And I, at that time, I was actually a janitor at a working in the hospital and I he's hearing carnival music and I'm reading the book I'm reading along with it I'm putting out my mop bucket and then just whenever it says the, the door closes behind Stan all of a sudden the door shuts behind me and I'm flipping out <laughs> trying to open the door trying to open the door and everything and then of course my co-workers what's wrong with you I said nothing um I just there was some trouble with the door <laughs> so like, that's okay. fantastic yeah that's it. how you know Stephen <laughs> king is great at what he does when it comes mm-hmm. down to his literature if it can scare you he's doing his job oh yeah absolutely yeah the the his books are phenomenal like the, the movie adaptations are hit or miss they really right. are but yeah the, the stuff that he writes is just out of this world man apparently most of his books he dreams the idea like they come to him in dreams i'm like i would not want to have those dreams man (laughs) like i don't know how you live that life but he puts out some good stuff well he's he even admitted though to himself he said that his dreams even terrify him yeah as well and so that goes to show you how much 
uh, drugs he probably has to be on and be sedated to write. Right? Seriously. But um, yeah. But yeah, um, another thing that I want to mention is this too. Um, the production company for this film for Green um, SBN Productions, it was filmed over a period of three months in New Western uh, British Columbia in mid 90s with a budget of $12 million. Hmm. And doubled the usual television budget, the effects and the designs of the um, of the forms, including Pennywise and the creature's true form of a humanoid spider, were produced on a 12-week deadline. Oh, wow. So that's a little fun fact on that. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Uh, so something I wanted to, to ask you, so as you are someone who has read the books, I know that because like I looked up this fact whether or not it was accurate for the book in the book and in the reboot it's every 27 years he returns but in this movie it's every 30 and i don't understand why they chose that okay it it, it kind of bothered me knowing that it's supposed to be 27 that they just made it this round number to be 30 and i was like why okay so in the book there's a whole chapter just on the town history yeah and I and once the town that's another thing that's a little nitpicky thing I'm going to get to too with part two, the town history stuff was butchered in the second half of this film. I feel yeah. like the reboot they actually explained that a lot better. But here's the thing: I'm thinking with it being 30 years later, it actually fits in with the timeline. Because okay. here's the thing: think of it like this, and I actually did the math on it whenever the films first first starting production from the 1960s to 1990. That's basically 30 years. So yeah. they're trying to fit it in with a timeline uh, between 1960 and 1990. With this one, they're trying to fit in from the 1980s to the two years, to th- 2016 or 17, whenever the film was made. So there's a 30-year gap, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I get so, that. They could have just set the opening in, like, 1963 then, you know what I mean? Right. And then it would have been 27 years. I don't know, it just bothered me that they ch- just made that change. Because, like, it, it's not like they went... 40 years which would be a huge difference it was just they added three years to round it off i'm just like it felt unnecessary i don't know well let's see with the 80s i can actually understand it because they're actually trying to make it more relatable to people that are around our age and stuff like that and have that 30 year period to where it fits in with the timeline and things like that so i can understand it from that perspective yeah so it didn't really bother me that much or anything like that i figured okay you know what they're just trying to put this in into a timeline to where it's beneficial for the audience to actually understand and where it's coming from. So I was okay with that. That part didn't really bother me as much or anything. It was the, let's see. I feel like when Fandango gave us that little clip with the old lady, when she was transforming into it, they shouldn't have showed us that. I get the fact yeah. that they're, because at they that point, they spoiled that whole scene and it bothered me that they did that. That's a good scene, man. It definitely yeah. is, but it bothered me. So I'm like, eh, pee break. I got up and left. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and my aunt yeah. You already knew what was going to happen. So. Right. My aunt and uncle <laughs> just look at me because they're visiting from Boston and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I said, it's, I saw this on the internet. I'm going to go take a pee break. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess, I guess it worked out in that sense. then. <laughs> right. But still, I wish I wouldn't have seen that. I get the fact that we're going to see the transformation of the woman again. Yeah. being played out in the remake especially whenever it happens in the book and it also happens in the 1990s version 
but I didn't want to see the newness of what we were going to get with the remake. Yeah. You know, I was perfectly fine if they did like an over, um, if they wanted to talk about the town history, just have it explaining the town history from his perspective and having a voice over the town. Okay. Yeah. And everything and have it that way instead of having to have the old lady, well, first him being, uh, the clown trying to transform into the clown and then to the old lady and all that. I didn't really feel like they needed to have that. I yeah. feel like if they do a trailer, do it in the right way, in the right context of just surprising us and have something hidden for us. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, they uh, really all you, all I needed to see was like Bev sitting down with the old lady and you, you're like, Oh, I know what's gonna happen, but then I don't need to see it until I go see the movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like that would have been like I would have preferred that instead of them giving us that whole scene because that was something that always bothered me was that they just gave that whole scene away for the reboot. Same yeah. here. Now, what did you think of the 1990s version of the Blood? It was far less. It was far more tame than I was like remembering or expecting. Because uh, again, I had just watched the reboot and I hadn't seen this one in so long. I honestly didn't remember most of. Like the the bits like that that happened, so like I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, and I, it just felt felt real tame. I don't know. Uh, felt like it, I don't know. It could have been more horrifying in some way, and, and it probably was at that time for me when I was a kid. I probably did feel like it was, but as as an adult, after seeing the reboot and everything, it just it didn't feel. It just didn't hit. It just didn't hit as well as uh, as I was hoping it would. Uh, same here. I mean, even as a kid, I didn't really like that scene. Never really gave me nightmares or anything like that. It didn't really horrify me as a kid. Yeah, it was just the balloon bouncing uh, beside Beverly. Yeah, and laughing. That part horrified me more than that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, but other than that, it didn't really do anything to me. And then even with the werewolf scene with Richie, that it looks kind of corny now. Looking back yeah. at it. And it's so fast, like the, the, it's barely covered. Yeah, you don't get much of it. And that was another. I was real bummed about that. I wanted more, you know, because like that's what I love about the reboot. They were eight because like it's a it's essentially five hours between the two movies, and they were able to stretch these things out that they rushed in the original. So, right, and then also to the I like the when uh, it is actually pretending to be. Uh, Beverly. Yes, to, with John Ritter as as Ben, yeah. and because my hair is rent at winter fire, and then all it's of a funny because like I'm watching this scene, not remembering what's about to happen, <laughs> and I literally I I grab my my iPad because I'm taking notes on it, and I'm like I start typing. Why the hell? Uh, if she remembers that it's Ben, why was she making out with Bill? at the beginning and then it right. happened i was like oh that's why because <laughs> it's not her <laughs> right and then you know i like how they do a callback to it in the reboot though because your hairs yeah. went to fire that beverly's hair's on fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know i like how they use like a little dark humor in it but it's not really forced humor yeah and stuff like that with the remake or anything but i thought that was fine um but still, I really feel like they missed a lot of missed opportunities when it came down to this film. Like I said before, the commentary track, the guy never read the book or anything like that. So he probably just got some cliff notes and just went off from that. 
But I feel like if he would have took his time and, you know, it's a 1,179 page book. I'm not expecting that director to read the whole thing. Yeah, but but you know what? If you're, you're making the kind of money that people like that make to make movies. I mean, read the book. Like, I'd be more than happy to make that money and read the book. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> true. More true. than happy. <laughs> but at least get some of this more of the source material to where you can use it. For instance, yeah. Beverly hides in a refrigerator in the junkyard. And then yeah. all of a sudden you see, and I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not going for verbatim or anything like that because it's been so long since I read the book. But I remember there was a junkyard scene. Bev is outside hanging around the junkyard or something. Well, she runs away from Henry Bowers. She hides in the refrigerator. And then as she's leaving and she sees them walking away, there's um, Henry and them come back and they open up the refrigerator because they think that Bev's in there. Next thing you know, you see these heads that are shaped like Pennywise and it happens to be Hornets chasing after Henry Bowers in that. And I love that. I wish they would have actually put that into the remake. That would have been a cool scene in either movie. It really would. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I think so, too. I think if they played it well, I think they could have actually timed it a little bit and got rid of maybe one or two different scenes and added that in there. It would have been perfect. But you know how I said that I like the whole slideshow, the whole entire deal where with the photograph, I like the slideshow in the reboot. I thought that was a new way of us doing Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, the reboot, at least the first part, I came out of it being like, I wasn't really scared. It was really good, but I wasn't really scared. That was one of the ones that kind of got me was that slideshow scene. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I really, I really like that one. That one gave me goosebumps coming out of the theater, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And then also too, the part where he's coming out of the refrigerator, which to me can actually play, pay a little bit of an homage to the book a little bit with the, with the Hornets. But when I saw the refrigerator, I'm like, I'm thinking, is this going to be the scene with the Hornets? Because they could have used it in that particular scene, but to see yeah. Pennywise come out of it like in a uh, that kind of scene, I loved it. I thought it worked mm-hmm. for the character. The I mean, they, they could have literally had Hornets come out also as he came out. You know what I mean? Right. Like just throw that in there if they'd wanted to, and I would have been totally cool with it. I think it would have worked. I think so too. But like you mentioned, though, with the 1990s version, whenever, um, of course, in the sewer part, I felt like. You know, he was weak. It was way too weak and stuff like that when he yeah. should have been uh, overpowering these kids and stuff like that, especially when you've been wanting to eat their souls for a long time and then you're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah, both times they fought him, he just kind of stands there as Bev's, like, shooting at him. And I'm like, he's supposed to be this, like, fairly all-powerful type of entity yeah, you're just gonna, especially the second time, like, you know what could happen. You've been through this before. Why, like, as this giant spider creature, why the heck are you just standing there letting her shoot stuff? Because she misses one. At, at that point, he should have been, like, lunging at them to come and get them. You know what I mean? Or he should have least, let her get a second shot. Or at least kill Stan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, like, get it over with. Right, because he's been terrorizing Stan more than the other kids because Stan was the weaker, weakest link out of the kids. So it made more sense for him to kill Stan at an early age than before the other Losers Club members. Yeah, But he doesn't do anything. He just goes, I'm the eater of worlds. I yeah. will hunt your dreams. And that's actually straight from the book, though. That's the dialogue straight from the book. 
And then okay. they use it again in the remake, which is something I'm really appreciative of because now they're actually doing an homage to Tim Curry's It, but also to making it stand on its own with Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. So that's something that I really did appreciate from that. But, you know, I loved the reboot of It over this one. And yeah. it's it's no fault for the 1990s. I mean, it is what it is. They tried everything they could when it came down to this. Um even with the giant spider, even though that's in the book as well. Yeah. But, but there should have been a slower process to getting there. Yeah. Cause I was, I was looking up trivia cause I hadn't, I didn't realize this as I was watching it, but you don't see Tim Curry for the last 15 minutes of that movie. There's like a, there's like a flashback where you see a scene that we had already seen, but there's nothing new with him. And like the last 15 minutes at all, it's just the spider. So like Pennywise is there. But Tim Curry's not. And I'm like, man, that really sucks. Because I would have loved to have seen him at one more time at the end there. It really does if you think about it. Because yeah. it's like, oh, you think you could still see me? I'm dead. I'm like, then what the po- what's the point of you terrorizing these kids if you're dead? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden you take a, uh, you transform into this giant spider that's been feeding on all these kids for over years and everything in the 90s, and it just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. It falls flat on its face. Yeah. Um, and, like, I I don't like the odd, the odd, was it Audra, Aubra, whatever. I think it's Audra. Yeah, Audra. Uh, I don't like, like, I didn't care for that storyline either. I was like, what was the point? Like, Bill didn't even know she was in there until he saw her. Right. It's like, so it's not like Pennywise was using her to lure Bill. Right. So I didn't I didn't understand the point of it. I'm glad they didn't do that in the in the reboot. So I just I was like it just seemed pointless to me. Right. And in the book they actually do that. They do that same yeah. thing. They use her but then they also use the abusive douchebag ball bag uh boyfriend of uh Beverly's. Okay. And yeah, they actually do that. He actually goes in the sewer where Beverly and them are at. So you have this whole entire scene being played out while the drains are actually being flooded and things like that. He's going into the sewer. Not only that, but he also steals a car, switches the huh. license plates to get to um, where they're at. Huh. Okay. There's a, so there's a little bit of an ins. NCIS kind of feel or CSI kind of deal where basically like a detective kind of thing where there's where he's switching out license plates. I forgot the reason why behind it, hmm. but I remember it being played out at the same time as them being in the sewer where not the license plate switching, but him being in the sewer with them. Yeah. And stuff like okay. that. I would have liked to see that in a sense to see how that would have been played out. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been, I feel like, more interesting, at least, because it would have caused a little bit of drama or something would have been going on. But the whole whole thing with with Audra, it just, it just no. didn't, it just, I was like, I don't, why do I care? Exactly. You know, I just don't care about her character at all. Her character is very wooden and very mm-hmm. dry. It yeah. doesn't fit in with what they were trying to do. Yeah. And... Also, too, I liked how they used Bill in this one, too, because it's kind of reflecting on Stephen King as a mm-hmm. writer. Yeah. Because, remember, he goes, I'd rather be here than dealing with the Hollywood cliche of what they're doing to my films. Yeah. And I feel like that's Stephen King saying, you know what, I'm going to let my property be my property, and I'm going to let them do their thing. Because yeah. that's Hollywood. 
and that's yeah. what I feel like. And, and he he has been uh, he has not been shy about vocalizing when he does not like a film no. adaptation. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, he he does like to put a lot of writers though in his books and stuff. So that's very likes, true. Yeah, but <laughs> I also like how the reboot kind of does that too, where mm-hmm. basically. You know, I was like, well, your book was good, but the ending sucked. Yeah. So it's a reflection on us as fans who reads his properties, who doesn't like the ending. Mm-hmm. And then he's even making fun of his own self because he's saying that the ending sucked. Yeah. So I like that. I like how he's making fun of his own self and has a good humor about making fun of his own self. Yeah. In that cameo appearance. And my aunt looked at me and she goes, so is there any Stephen King books that you feel like had a bad ending? I said, yeah, there's been a couple. <laughs> and there's yeah. one book that I felt like it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And it's called Elevation. Hmm, okay. And Elevation sucked. Uh, and everything is a little short novella book. Where oh, a guy's okay. Losing, and a, the guy's <clears throat> losing weight. We don't know why he's losing weight. He's and then all of a sudden he he's in this little small town. He lives in this little small town and everything. And is it the one that Thinner is based on? No, this is nothing. Oh, okay. This is not connected with Thinner. Okay. But they don't even tell us why he's losing weight. Oh, at all. Next thing you know, he loses enough uh, weight to the point where he dies. And huh. they put a balloon on him and makes him float up to the sky. That's weird. I'm like, this book sucks. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. I wonder <laughs> how much uh, how much LSD uh, King was on when he wrote that book. <laughs> and it's actually pretty recent though, because he remember he's supposed to be sober, but that one doesn't feel like he was oh, sober. <laughs> he like fell off the wagon, wrote a book, got back on. Right. He's like, here you go, elevation, <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Skinny guy floats away in a balloon. Right. Horror oh, version he- of Up. Exactly. Why is he losing? I don't know. There's no, but still, I felt like that felt up. Yeah. But, um, but for you though, I mean, what else can you, what else can you say about the, the, this film though? Uh, well, I, I, a couple of the notes that I, I hadn't touched on uh, yet. I love how like deep into the eighties wardrobe they went in the, in the modern time, the current time, Mm. I guess, because, because this film was 1990. So, Everything was still 80s at right. that point. And so you get like those bright colors. That was like the first thing I noticed when I started, when, when I turned it on. I was like, man, these clothes are real 80s. Everything going yeah. on here is, is real 80s. Um, I think I covered most of everything else that I, that I wanted to talk about. Um, just how slow yet long this movie was. Uh, too, much, too much character. I don't want to say too much character development. As a, I feel like it's just more too much focus on setup mm-hmm. in, in the first half of the film, and I think it should have been because like this was a two part miniseries. It should have been three, right. I think, because like like the Langoliers and things like that, they they would do it over three nights. I think this should have been one of those uh, where you got three two hour portions, and they could have really dove into some stuff, and that probably would have been better. They they could have fleshed out some of these things, and I don't think it would have felt as rushed. We got, probably would have gotten to spend more time with the kids because I, I love the stuff with the kids. Absolutely, Same here. I, you know it was it was fantastic, and I wanted more of that. So, uh, but yeah, it, you know, it, it to me it just doesn't quite hold up uh, the way it did when I was you know like probably 
10 or 12 or whatever, however old I was when I actually watched it for the first time. Uh, same here as well. It definitely doesn't hold up the way that I remembered it. And also, too, I wish it would actually gave us some more meat to digest when it comes down to the town history. Just show us yeah. from the town history of Derry. Because I would love to see that. And, you know, back when, uh, I think it was Castle Rock, the TV series on Hulu, mm. before they canceled it, I was like, yeah. you know what? After I saw the reboot of it, I said, I was like, well, there were, there were talks about sequels, prequels, stuff like that. I thought to myself, I was like, no, I don't think that would work. I said, hold up. What about a prequel, but not in the big screen uh, way what happens if it's on hulu in the castle rock universe and and they turn it into an episonic it vibe where it's just focused on it with the dairy of the background of dairy you forget about the tim robin stuff you forget about all that stuff now they're telling us the story of the history of dairy and the way things were in dairy before the losers club i dig that maybe like do it almost anthology style where like we right. can kind of travel back every 27 years or whatever and just see how he just messes with right. the whole town each time that actually i would watch that I exactly watch that. because there's even scenes where a bar burns down and yeah. it is involved with the burning of the buildings yeah and stuff like that too i wanted to see that play yeah. out there's a lot of the town history because Basically, whenever you get into the adult stuff in the book, there's nothing but a chapter just on the history. Oh, okay. That uh, Mike is actually reading, and he go and I forgot how many pages that it was, but I felt like I was ju- I was just eating it up through the whole entire time because I like okay. history. I like that's one of my favorite things is history. So, yeah. and I was just eating that part up, and I felt like it would actually work in a Castle Rock kind of flavor, but they canceled the series. I wish that Netflix or Amazon would pick it up because I think it has a lot of, to be honest with you, I think it has a way of actually telling different stories within the Stephen King universe. Yeah. Because yeah, I actually I think that would be good. Because here's the thing. I like the second season over the first season. The first season yeah. was just basically Shawshank Redemption part two. Oh, that sounds cool. All right. In a sense, I love Shawshank. So. <laughs> right. Basically in the modern time, if you think about it, especially okay. the events that happens within the, all the corruption that happens in Shawshank, they actually talk about in the first season. And that's oh, actually okay. what, what it's based off of. The second one is basically a mixed uh, Pet Cemetery, Cujo a little bit with the Easter eggs from that. But also, too, it's mostly centered on misery. Oh, wow. Okay. The Annie story. And yeah. it gives you a background of Annie and her daughter because she actually has a daughter oh. in this series. And basically it's her and her mom go hiding out on the run because she always gets in trouble and she poses as a nurse because she was never actually a nurse. Mm. So it's her and her daughter hiding out in this little small town called Castle Rock. Okay. I got to watch this show. <laughs> I never, like, I remember hearing about it. And I was like, this sounds cool. But I never got around to watching it. That's I mean, I think you just sold me on that, man. I'm glad, man, because seriously, the second season is probably the best one. Because yeah. I didn't really care for the uh the Shawshank stuff for the first okay. season. So I just skipped the first season, went into the second season because really <laughs> you don't need to know what happened in the first one to get it. But Bill okay. Skarsgard does play a little bit of a cameo role. I remember the- hearing about that, yeah. 
but he's not it. He's just another guy who winds up being in the prison cell that they find locked up in this hole. And they're trying to figure out how he got in the hole, what happened with that. There's a bunch of corruption within the Shawshank prison still, even after Tim Robbins escapes and that other person winds up being arrested for being corrupt. Mm. Okay. So, so I, if you love Shawshank, you're going to like the first season. Yeah, I do. It's, it's, that's, it's in my top five. So. I love Shawshank. I love yeah. Shawshank Redemption. I just didn't care for that storyline for the TV side, but the misery side and the Annie side, I liked. All right. Yeah. I'll definitely check that out then. Yeah. Check cool. it out. Let me know what you think. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything I wanted to cover as far as the it 1990s version and stuff like that. I know we did a lot of comparison back and forth with the reboot, but I feel like it was necessary to talk. Yeah, about I feel like it's hard not to. You know, because it's it's so recent and it's so much better. <laughs> Definitely. And another thing I want to say is I'm glad that they added, even though this is not in the book, but I'm glad that they added the mirror scene in the remake. Oh, yeah. The, the, the haunted house, house, the house of mirrors. Yes. Yeah. That's a good scene, man. Yes. That's a really good I, scene. I thought that they did a good job with that one, with the remake and adding something different. Yeah. And also, too, I don't know if you remember on Collider Live, Josh McCuga talked about how on his way to work or on his way home, there was actually a House of Mirrors and everything that was mostly promoted for It. Mm, okay. Uh, for It Chapter 2. And there was a yeah. fun house. And I was like, well, did you go inside? He goes, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> Alex from A-Town Reviews, he says, that scene made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good scene <laughs> yes and by the way alex will be on the show next week on the 18th we're going to be doing our trick-or-treat uh review Ooh, i still gotta watch that movie man that's my first time seeing everybody it. talks about how good it is i just i don't know why i haven't watched it i'm sure i'll love it I, just, I gotta get around to it let me try and sell you a little bit more on it because it's on hbo max as well that's okay that at. and that's how i've watched it but Think of it as a shared universe of trick or treat, because while one character is going through other stuff, and it actually takes place a couple of hours before someone dies in the beginning of the film, you actually are introduced to other characters as they're passing by. Oh, okay. So each character is going through different things within that town, and then it, so I like that concept of an anthology kind of film based yeah. off of other characters that are passing through, which is something that I wish Stranger Things would have done, where you know, yes, season one, you wrapped up with 11, and then it focuses on other kids in that school. And then as they're going on their adventure, the people with 11 are going on their adventure, and they pass through the hallways and they're, and doing their, their thing. That's yeah. something that I wish they would have done. But they didn't. But still, I still love Stranger Things. But Trick or Treat is definitely a movie that I recommend checking out if you're a horror fan as well. Well, I will. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe this is the, the year, finally. Maybe I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Alec, oh, so anyways, uh, Josh, where can everybody follow you at and all that other good stuff? Uh, you can fi uh, find me on Twitter at JP Rayner. That's J-P-R-A-Y-N-O-R, as well as at uh, Movie Blog Merc. That is the Twitter page for my site, Merc with Movie Blog. Uh, so if uh, you want to hear me do some trailer reactions or see some of our other shows, we do a How I Met Your Mother show over there as well. And uh, we have a Marvel show over there, and uh, I'm going to be doing some more. Uh, like film reviews and stuff. And I guess I got some stuff in the works. 
Uh, so definitely join me there. And uh, I'm going to be doing some writing uh, as well, getting back into my actual written reviews uh, on my site, MerkWithMovieBlog.com. So check me out there. Awesome, man. Awesome. And guys, like I said, next week, I have A-Town Reviews coming back with me. We're going to do a trick-or-treat review at 9 o'clock Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern. And we're going to be doing that. And then before that, at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, I'm going to be interviewing the directors and actors of Punch Drunk. This was actually an Indie Holly Shorts Film Festival uh, movie that I reviewed. And they're actually coming on next week. And Beth uh, from from a podcast that she does is going to be joining me because she actually joined me for that review. So you guys can go on and check that out next Monday. Of course, Friday, we have some other stuff coming out. You guys just have to be patient on what that is, but I promise you it's going to be well worth it because it's also going to be part of our scream on screen uh, movie reviews for horror movies. So, you know, you guys have that coming out. So, if you guys want to go on and follow me underneath Movie Lovers TV Lovers Night over there on Facebook, underneath the same brand name on Pinterest and on Instagram as well. Then, of course, if you guys want an audio-only podcast episode of our show, you can get that where your major uh, podcasts are found. Then, of course, guys, go on ahead, go over to Good Pods. Good Pods is a great place where it's social media for podcasters or people that love podcasts. And they have an easy play button that's really smooth and easy to operate. Also, too, you can rate our show, individual shows, tell us what you think about those shows and things like that. And tell us if you liked it. Tell us what you didn't like, like about it and stuff like that. And also, too, it gives us rankings of each uh, genre that we're actually a part of. So go ahead, check that out on Good Pods. And then, of course, guys, you guys can go on and head and donate to the page. How do you do that? Just go ahead, go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. And I also teamed up with two Blur Girls podcasts for a charity with St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So all the proceeds that go into it goes over to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. All you have to do is buy a Sensi. You buy a Sensi, all proceeds go over to uh, the children of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Then, of course, you guys can go on and follow me on TikTok underneath Movie Lovers Unit 001. And then, of course, you guys can go on ahead, follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter as well. If you're a sponsor or would like to be on the show, just go on ahead and reach out to me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's everywhere you can reach me at. And thank you again, Josh, for reviewing this film with me. I do appreciate it. Um, I had a Thanks blast. Having me on. You're welcome. I, it's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the last one was uh, Secret, <laughs> Secret Window, right? Right. Yeah. We did Secret yeah. Window together. At that time, it was just an Another audio Another Stephen podcast. King right there. Right. <laughs> it's kind of ironic how that plays out <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> well guys i just want to say thank you again for everybody that uh, watched and always until next time guys it's been real it's been fun i can't wait to do this again and bye